You're listening to Marginalia, a podcast of New City Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Marginalia is a space where the pastors and staff of New City talk about what's in the margins, so to speak, of our weekly sermons and life together as a community. My name is Abby Murish, and I'm on staff at New City, and you're about to hear a conversation that I recorded with Mike Privatera and Brian Ferry. We sit down and we talk about what's keeping us busy during this era of social distancing in light of a global pandemic, and then we delve a bit deeper into Mike's sermon from this past Sunday that was aired on YouTube about Jesus walking on water. And in that conversation, we delve a bit deeper into the different accounts of Jesus walking on water that's recorded in the other Gospels. We look at Christ's command to not fear, and then we talk about some of the practical things we're doing in our daily life to lean into God's goodness during this season of anxiety and uncertainty. So there was a bit of a user error on my end as I was figuring out how to record our conversation on Zoom. And you're going to begin this podcast about three minutes into our conversation. And Brian's talking about the books, movies, TV shows that's keeping him and his family um, busy during this time of sheltering at home. Don't worry, all that you missed at the beginning was Brian, Mike, and I talking about whether or not a trip to Home Depot was deemed essential in light of the current shelter at home mandate from the governor. And long story short, we decided it wasn't. So without further ado, enjoy this episode of Marginalia. The rapidity of change. Um, So I'm trying to read um, we watched the for the four Hunger Games movies like the first four days we were in. So we thought this would be a good time to to watch all series of movies. We started watching the Indiana Jones. We'll just watch Raiders of the Lost Ark though, but there's three more of those to watch. So kind of no end of trilogies or quadrilogies or whatever you call those. Yeah, you started with the dystopian one where children hunt each other. That dystopian stuff is my jam. That's that's what I go to. I mean, it seems appropriate right now. Hopefully we don't get to that point, though. What are you reading, Mike? Dystopian novels? Uh, so I'm still reading some sci-fi stuff. I'm not really doing a lot of reading right now. Uh, I have I'm doing a lot of podcast listening. Um, that's easier with the kids. Uh, you know, I can put something on the background and listen to it. Uh, one thing we have been doing, which has been kind of fun slash weird, um, my boys and I have been doing Taekwondo for the last year and a half, and we can't go to the dojo during this time. So uh, our instructors have been offering virtual uh, karate, which is really fun, but also really weird to do like that over Zoom. Um, so that's that's one thing we've been doing. It's, it's been good because it's been keeping us active and not just lazy and sitting around. Um, it's kind of added something to our day. But otherwise, we're doing a lot of walks, trying to play outside. Um, hoping to get on a bike ride here in the next day or two. I'm waiting for a, a bike trailer to come for my, my two-year-old, and then hopefully we'll get outside doing that. Well, is it a trailer, or is it one of the bike things that attaches on that she can, like, bike directly behind you? Like, is it the trailer that she sits in, like a rickshaw kind of Yeah, it's a trailer she sits in, yeah. I That's really fun. Our girls' road knows for ages. That's on our to-purchase list for Phoebe, too, so... Yeah, I'm not sure she's quite big enough for it, but we're getting there. When Eden was probably too big for it, one time I took a turn way too fast and flipped her um, in it, and she flew out of it. She wasn't buckled in. We were actually going to get pizza uh, just down the street at Marco's, and I just took the turn way too fast, rolled the whole thing, and she flew out onto the street. Um, So just 
beware, make sure they're buckled in there. It's like a roll cage if they're buckled in. But parenting fail. Was she okay? That, Did she have a helmet on? Yeah. No, she didn't have a helmet on. Uh, <laughs> but she just, you know, splayed out onto the concrete, skinned her, you know, arm and leg or whatever. But she was fine. But just beware. They are can be dangerous. Wear your seatbelt. Good to know. Uh, Mike, are there any podcasts you're particularly enjoying right now? Um, that's a good question. I, I tend to be uh, helpful and encouraging. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we should also a, say a that. Politics junkie. So I don't know if I enjoy any of those. And right now it's really all of them. Are, I let's try to listen broadly. I have, I just started one uh, with a, a theologian uh, named Andy Root. Um, it's called New Time Religion. And Andy, and actually, this might some of this may come up today, actually, uh, because Andy Root um, is a Charles Taylor scholar. Taylor wrote this book called A Secular Age, which is really a um, monumental, very influential and important work in terms of uh, philosophy of the 20th and 21st century. Uh, talking about secularism and how do we go from a, an era where everyone believed in God to 500 years later when it's really hard for people to actually believe in God. And so this, this podcast is working through uh, some of Taylor's ideas in a fun, accessible way. Um, it's fun for me. It probably sounds really nerdy and boring for anyone listening to this right now. Uh, but yeah, I, really I, wouldn't, it. I wouldn't describe that like fun and accessible. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm going to withhold judgment maybe until I read it. Compared to reading Charles Taylor's A Secular Age, which is like 900 pages, uh, this, is, this is good. Fair enough. Is it a graphic novel version? No. Oh, uh, well, maybe, maybe that's the next. That's more my uh, intelligence. I think this is an era for graphic novels if someone needs something to read. So, easy. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I've also been uh, playing, uh, I'm not a big gamer, but I'm playing uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on Nintendo Switch, which is actually really great because it takes place in this huge expansive world and so when I'm cooped up inside I at least virtually feel like I'm like climbing mountains and killing monsters and stuff I haven't been doing that a lot but I have been doing that that's awesome I've been reading this book called when the world came to town um and it is about gander Newfoundland have y'all heard about this on September 11th oh yeah I, I did hear yeah, so they're the town. They welcomed 39, I think, international flights, and it's a itty-bitty town. Um, and I actually found out, I was talking to um, New City's own Mary Bishop about this, and her boss at the time was one of the passengers who was in Gander, Newfoundland. Oh, neat. That's cool. So it's one of those books that's, like, perfect for this time, if Charles Taylor is not for you in this era. Um, just a story of, like, the human spirit, hope, um, and just the immense welcome and hospitality that this town showed these thousands of people um, who suddenly showed up for a couple days. And yeah, it's really cool. So if anyone needs a lighthearted read or something to listen to, I'm listening to it. Highly recommend When the World Came to Town. So Mike, you kept us going um, through our series on John, The Signs of John by preaching on Jesus walking on the water um, on Sunday, which people viewed virtually. Have you preached a YouTube sermon before? No. And I'm kind of a Luddite too, so I'm uh, not a big fan of stuff like that. So that was weird, but also fun. 
And we all still don't know if you have pants, had pants on during the sermon. <laughs> so that, that is the lingering question. You will question. never find out. The world may never know. We need to ask Tim Lyons to tell all. I was just verbalizing what everybody was secretly thinking every time we look at those things. I uh, think uh, at least in our household, nobody was until you put it in our head, and then no one could think of anything else. <laughs> yeah, no one heard the sermon. That's all right. That's what, it, that's what the sermon was about, right? Honey, where are my pants? Yeah. The Lego movie. Yeah, that's always the line we think of. Uh, anyway, you preached on John. Remind me the passage. I don't have it on the top of my head as normal. Uh, uh, John 6, verses 16 to 21. Awesome. And do you mind just giving a short summary of that passage? This is a pretty famous passage in scripture. Uh, this is the story of Jesus walking on the water. Um, probably one of the more iconic uh, stories about Jesus that we read in the Gospels. And essentially uh, what happens is Jesus feeds the 5,000. Uh, the, the crowd is amazed. They want to make him king. Jesus withdraws to a mountain and his disciples are, are left there. Um, and they end up kind of going on to the next destination across the Sea of Galilee and, and row for a long time. They're, they're about three or four miles of rowing. Some scholars think like nine hours into their trip. It starts getting rough. The waves are, are beating at the boat. Uh, they're exhausted. And all of a sudden they see a figure walking across the water. Uh, and it's Jesus. And he says to them, uh, it is I. Don't be afraid. And then he, he gets in the boat and they're immediately at destination. And I think you were going to share a little bit about contrasting this account with the narrative in Matthew, because we have that elsewhere. Do you want to go ahead? Yeah, yeah, Matthew 14. Um, So the Gospels, it's really always interesting. The Gospels have, they're all eyewitness accounts. um, And so they have different details in them a lot of times, especially when the same stories come up. Sometimes it's exactly the same in each Gospel, and then other times there's there's little nuances. Matthew and John were both uh, disciples of Jesus. They were both uh, present uh, to these events. So it's interesting to see what Matthew remembers and what he puts down um, and what John remembers and what he puts down, what he chooses to put down even. Um, So we'll we'll look at Matthew verse 22, um, chapter 14, verse 22. Matthew writes, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked in the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So what stands out to you then is, or both of you, this account versus John's account of the story? What are some of those nuances that catch your attention? I mean, one of the, one of the things that's, it's not that different, but it's, Matthew makes a point of saying that Jesus sent the disciples out 
into the wall, uh, into the sea. Um, he knows, in some ways, Jesus knows what's going to happen here. Uh, he he sends them on ahead without him, with that, and 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 puts them in the situation for me, which is really interesting. And then also the 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 Peter bit, um, you know, um, Jesus calls Peter out into the water with him in this story, uh, and he actually walks on water for a little bit uh, until he begins to doubt. So there's and there's some other fascinating details. It talks about you know Jesus comes in the fourth watch of the night, which is probably between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. They've been at this for a long time, um, and that's just these little these little details here that just add a little bit to our understanding of what what happened in this this, this story and with this event. I think it's interesting to me in this one you see um, more of a back and forth or a swinging of faith. You've got the initial story, uh, and they see Jesus come in and. Um, you know, like in John, Jesus says, take heart. It is I do not be afraid. That's where John leaves it. Um, and we're left to assume. And I think you said something in your sermon too, like God's presence with us and the words, do not be afraid. It's what we long to hear. It's what we need to hear. Um, and that's where John leaves it. But here in Matthew, it continues. <laughs> Peter answers, if it's you. So there's sort of a questioning in that statement, if it's you, uh, command me to walk on the water. Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water. The only other person that we're aware of to ever have walked on water. And almost immediately, he looks away from Jesus and looks to the storm, and then he's afraid again. So there's this fear, don't be afraid, fear, don't be afraid, the back and forth um, that probably we all experience, you know, and here's a you know, a pretty intense situation where there's a storm and walking on the water and the ghost and uh, all of this. And they're, they're, is it, is it, it says, it says it's Jesus. Is it him? Yes, it's him. Uh, I'm walking on the water, but I'm afraid. And so like the sort of the, the rapid back and forth um, between it is in many ways comforting that there's not like sort of a, um, you know, either in or out, you know, maybe it's kind of like a, a cup of, of water it's not just filled to the brim or empty you know it it has times where you, it shakes and some water sloshes out and then the cup's a little bit more empty than it is at other times and um it's just it's interesting to see faith as, as more dynamic um and fluctuating than uh just a static in or out kind of thing even in you know what seem to be moments from one moment to another um, there's, you know, faith and fear and faith and fear. And it's, uh, a bit like a swing, you know? Yeah. This feels, uh, a lot like the life of following Jesus, uh, including for me, the part of, of, I mean, Jesus sending them out in the boat of Jesus letting them get into this. It's just, he made the disciples get to the boat and go before him to the other side. And you're, and they're probably, what, where's, what's, what, what are we just going to leave Jesus? What, how's he going to get to us? Like, what are we going to do? Like he just he puts them in a situation, um, and it's 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 a, it's a place in which he also grows their faith. Too, which I mean, it feels like my life in a lot of ways. Like the Lord has put me in really tough places, or or allowed me to get in really tough places, um, where I'm exhausted and tired and beaten by the waves, and have to trust. You know, kind of maybe sort of like the situation we're all in uh, globally right now. Yeah, I feel that vacillating back and forth um, a lot. And I love Peter's little prayer at the end of this. It's just, Lord, save me. 
you know, that's where that, the Jesus prayer sort of came from, or just the word, just the name Jesus, you know, people would cry out, people use that as a swear word, but, you know, just the name of Jesus can be a prayer for salvation, for help in the midst of fear, you know, Lord, save me. It's pretty great little prayer um, to apply to our lives, right? I love tracing Peter's story too throughout the gospels. And I was thinking the other time we see Peter in a boat, the only other time I can think of is at the end of John um, in 20, John 21. And he's in a boat and it's when Jesus appears to him after the resurrection. Um, And so he sees Jesus and then he hops into the water and swims to the shore while all the other disciples like row to the shore. And I think that's a really beautiful contrast with these two stories of seeing faith building, even as we swing a pendulum, that the Lord was still continually leading Peter along this path of faith until he could see him clearly um, and not doubt and follow him. Maybe I watched too many cartoons as a kid, but a, a, a great ending to that would have been if Jesus, uh, Peter would have jumped out of the boat to go see Jesus. And instead of swimming, he just bounced off the water like <laughs> on the water back then yeah yeah that would have rounded the story out nicely had that happened that's why i was not in charge of writing down the gospel yeah so yeah what else mike um was on your mind as you were writing this sermon for the week and preaching especially in this time yeah well i mean this i've actually been planning to preach this sermon for couple weeks months now uh, this has been part of our series and um it's kind of interesting to see how god's providence works out in terms of where we are um on a global scale i mean that's probably the biggest thing as i was writing this sermon uh, this is this the pandemic had just hit um you know schools were just closing a lot was still up in the air more so than it is now um i think emotionally i was just all over the place because we've had this massive shock to our system. Um, and so the events of the world uh, were at the center for me. But then also the words of Jesus, I am, it is I. And as I mentioned in the sermon, that is the divine name of God, Yahweh. I am the one who is, I am who I am, I am who I will be, uh, which is the Hebrew Yahweh, it's the Lord's name. Uh, he says, I am. Do not be afraid. Um, and I just don't know of any better words for a time such as we're in than it is I, do not be afraid. I also like the commission in Matthew. It says, take heart, or my translation says, have courage. And I think that's also a word I need right now, um, to have courage, because it's so tempting well, we're all supposed to stay home, but it's tempting to just view my home as like a fortress that I'm hiding beneath versus an outpost that I will, I'm being sent from, even as I'm home, (laughs) but like I'm praying from, I'm reaching out to neighbors from. Um, And so I like that, have courage, take heart. Um, And so, and then that always reminds me of like the words of Jesus, take heart for I have overcome the world. Um, And that's also the hope now is that Jesus is, victor and he is the conqueror even as this feels overwhelming um he will have the final word yeah what's amazing about that and do not be afraid is they're imperatives like they're command they're not just suggestions in the greek they are in the imperative case like it is 
it's very clearly Jesus saying, don't be afraid. I mean, don't be afraid. I'm commanding you not to be afraid. I'm commanding you to take heart. I'm commanding you to have faith. Um, not just, I mean, when, typically when I read those things, I think Jesus is saying, hey, hey, this would be better if you believed, or maybe you should try some faith, or maybe you should try not being afraid. It's just a command. Uh, same with when, when God tells Joshua when he goes in the promised land, be strong and courageous. These are command. God actually commands us to not fear, which again, it's easier said than done, but uh, these aren't just things that we're called to, well, I can, I can take it or leave it. Like no part of obedience that God is calling us to as we're Christians is to have faith and to trust him and to not be afraid, which is so counterintuitive and countercultural even. Well, and I think it's not, we need to remember too, it's not necessarily like an on and off switch. Like, oh, I can just not be afraid now. Like it takes work you have to do the work to get to that point. And it is a battle to fight fear, I think, and fight anxiety. Um, but we have the power to do that through the Lord's spirit um, because we are sons and daughters of God. Like the, you know, the indicative precedes the imperative who we are in God is what enables us to live into these commands. Um, and so I don't want people to walk away to feel like, Oh, if I'm, not afraid. That's a, or if I am afraid, that's a problem. It's like, no, the Lord has empowered us not to fear, but it is a, we need to work to that point too, through his enabling. Yeah. Just that it's not an on and off switch um, necessarily. Uh, You know, it's, it's a, there's a back and forth. There's a levels of fear and those kinds of things. What are, what, is there anything practical that you guys are doing to help mitigate fear because and are there practices that we should avoid things that we should avoid that are uh that increase our anxiety so i mentioned charles taylor earlier and this is where the taylor piece comes in uh andy root in one of his most recent podcasts i I think it's a fascinating insight he talks about one of the things that we are feeling right now is the loss of the future and he talks about in a late modern secular age we are future oriented people we're always thinking about what do i have to do next week what's on my calendar for tomorrow what do i need to do in an hour how could i do this thing that i need to do like more efficiently you know we're, we're constantly thinking about the future and what the situation that we're in has done has obliterated that ability we are stuck in the present um, which is not something that we're very good at because modern culture is a future oriented culture and so we're stuck in the present um and there's grief that's involved with that we have we have there's there's grieving that needs to happen um harvard business review's got a great article out right now about uh the what you're feeling is grief uh in this situation and there's stages of grief there's there's denial there's anger there's bargaining uh and there's acceptance and i think one of the things i'm being challenged practically in this time is to we always talk about slowing down and be present being present right um i am being challenged to do that all day long um which is actually a wonderful spiritual practice um so in some ways this is a gift of learning and being forced to do that it doesn't feel like a gift um but slowing down being present trying to experience god in this moment because frankly this is all i really have right now is today i have no idea what's gonna happen tomorrow and i I normally don't either but under normal circumstances 
I at least have the illusion that I have an understanding of what's going to happen tomorrow or I have control. And the reality is I don't, but we live in a world where we're under that, those pretenses all the time. So slowing down, praying, you know, being still and knowing that God is God, some of these ancient spiritual practices that have been recommended by the church for centuries is a great time to do that. For me, there's kind of three things that we've been doing. Um, so we're old school. We have a CD player in our kitchen. Do you know what those are? <laughs> CD players. That's is like that the like, new version of the A8 track, right? Right, right, right. Um, it's a smaller record, right? You you got it. You're really up got on it. technology. And we have a few tiny rec- tiny plastic records. Exactly. I've bought more CDs in the past year than I had in the previous 10 years, if that gives you any idea of the state of my life. Um, but we have like a couple of CDs and I love it because I don't have to pick up my phone to play music. That's why we got it. And so I always have um, one is like a Gettys CD, um, Keith and Kristen Getty, a Wendell Kimbrough, and then some CDs from my in-laws church, um, like their musicians at church produced. And so just the practice of like hitting play on that in the morning when I go to the kitchen to have a cup of coffee, unload the dishwasher, and letting those be the first things in my mind that are the songs then they truly like narrate my day. (laughs) And so I think having that start is really awesome. And so in those moments of fear, I hear like a chorus that I had listened to in the morning or um, that's just the default then that my brain goes to versus the news. (laughs) And we're just talking, I was talking with um, our friend Rachel Bonar today, like thinking about like, what's our liturgy? What's forming me today? Is my first thing the news that I'm taking in or a hot take or an opinion, or even like a text from my family or a Marco Polo from my friends, you know, just letting me be shaped first by worship of the Lord. And then, um, yeah, I'm saying, I have some Facebook groups that I normally love. I'm not really on Facebook much, but those have been a really big source of anxiety for some reason. Um, and they're not negative. They're not, that's the thing. They're still really good groups, but they're not a place for me right now. So just choosing not to go to those. And then the other positive thing I'm doing is I'm having a lot of fun looking back at, um, old photos of our family and trips, um, that we've been on or time with friends. And it reminds me of that quote Josh shared in our readings and prayers podcast last week that like letting our memories form our hope. And so remembering like the goodness of the Lord in the past and that God is still good to me today and he will be good to me in the future. And so letting past stories of our, of my life inform, like help me inform the future versus what I'm hearing on the news or my fears or worst case scenarios. So yeah, staying out of Facebook groups, (laughs) listening to music and looking at old pictures have been really fun. And then reading. I read a lot. It's it's an interesting one thinking about, thinking about the past because if we can't we, we never can control the future but when it feels especially so uncertain right now um, looking back um, and remembering the past um, what feels like maybe a different world you know there's going to be uh, sort of pre this experience and post this experience whenever it's done um, but looking back um, is a grounding you know in a sense when we can't we can't know the future we sort of only take it a day at a time one thing i've tried to do is just to to limit my intake of news ordinarily like i love having npr on like all the time just in the background um, because there's usually a variety of stories and like 
upbeat, uplifting things and, you know, fun stories and even the, just the, the local, uh, you know, Cincinnati edition to find out what's going on. Um, but there's not really anything going on and it's all um, virus all the time. And so by limiting that uh, to, you know, just a few minutes a day, like during this certain time, you know, for me, it is kind of the morning after that, let's kind of shut it down and I'm not going to go out looking for any of that stuff um, after that, because I mean, it could be a rabbit hole that I could go down and just would raise my anxiety and my fear. I think if I was thinking about it all the time. Yeah. Turning off the news has been a practice I've been engaged in. Um, people have a lot of time on the hands right now, including journalists. And it's all speculation and no one, no one has any idea what's going to happen. And so it really is just this black hole of anxiety and, and, and trying to control the future again, trying to get back that sense of we know what's going to happen so we can plan. And it's just not, not helpful. I, uh, you know, Mike, we've gotten some feedback and I really appreciate, um, particularly towards the end of your sermon where you uh, expressed, showed some uh, intense emotions, which I really appreciate. And I think a lot of people appreciated i think emotional health is really important and critical um, especially during this time but in general as well i know it's something i need to be better at and being in touch what am i feeling what emotions are going on and i've been reading a book called open and unafraid by david taylor it's a new uh, relatively new book it's out on the psalms it's got the afterward by bono and a forward by eugene peterson so book ended by some pretty awesome stuff right. uh, but he Taylor basically goes through and um, talks about different different um, things that the Psalms teach us and form us in um, you know everything from you know anger and sadness um, you know poetry prayer history community all these kinds of things and in his chapter um, on honesty um, he quotes Eugene Peterson, uh, and I think this is helpful because the Psalms really take us in places um, and help us express emotions that we may not necessarily go to ourselves. They teach us how to pray. As Keller says, it's sort of the, the lingua, lingua franca of prayer, teaches us how to pray, um, takes us uh, on a journey uh, of prayer. And so Taylor quotes Eugene Peterson in it um, on this, and this is a, maybe a, a good reminder um, that the Psalms, particularly during this time, can be a, a source of wisdom, a source of helping us know ourselves and what's going on and teaching us to pray. But Peterson says this uh, via David Taylor in his book, Open and Unafraid. He said, it is easy to be honest before God with our hallelujahs. It's somewhat more difficult to be honest in our hurts. It is nearly impossible to be honest before God in the dark emotions of our hate. So we commonly suppress our negative emotions, unless neurotically we advertise them. Or when we do express them, we do it far from the presence, or what we think is the presence of God, ashamed or embarrassed to be seen in these cursed, stained bib overalls. But when we pray the Psalms, these classic prayers of God's people, we find that will not do. We must pray who we actually are, not who we think we should be. So call to honest prayer, let the Psalms um, take us there. And the, the cry of, um, you know, the Peter in this passage, Lord, save me, you know, and opening ourselves to hear that word, it is I, do not be afraid. That's a great word to end on. Thanks Amen. all. Cheers, guys. Stay safe. <laughs>